0: Hello, Highland family. This is Tim Goswiller. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, Today, as we meet, um, I have some announcements for you and um, some additional information that will be helpful. Um, First of all, if you're trying to reach the church office, um, I want to give you a phone number to use. We are in the process of getting our phone number pulled over to the new building. Um, The number that you should call is 320- 559-0069. Five five nine zero, zero six, nine. That is one of our current numbers, but it's uh, kind of a in the background number. It's not our public facing number. That number will uh, allow you to reach the office here at Highland while they get our original number um, that we had uh, at the other building ported over to this building. That's gonna happen probably in two weeks because of the backlog that they have. So three two zero five five nine. 0069, that will roll into the church office here, and you can reach the church office. So, if you need to reach the office for any reason, um, use that number. Um, the other thing that uh, I want to mention to you is that uh, at the top of the web page, there is a link at the top of that page called Giving. That is how you can, just with one click, uh, go to our giving page. It takes about Two minutes to set up. I could do it without even having my children help me. Coming up for Passion Week, Pastor Dean is going to have uh, daily devotions and we will be getting those out to you one way or the other. So watch for those probably by email. If you'd like to get on the email and you're not getting emails, um, either the church bulletin each week or other email communication, um, email the office at office at highlandchurchmn.com and let Julie know you'd like to be added to the email list and we'll make sure you do that. And please do that before uh, Passion Week so that you can get the, uh, the daily uh, devotions. Um, we are going to have Easter services one way or the other. We will not be meeting together as a large group, but stay tuned. It will be... Um, we will do them via video or uh, it will be, um, we're still here for Easter, uh, one way or the other. Um, we had to have uh, sent out an announcement that we will not be meeting in person uh, to celebrate Easter. We will be doing it um, through video. So that's just some some housekeeping things in our new house and the house is being put together and. And uh, it's coming together day by day, more activity going on. Uh, I wish you could be here uh, to see this amazing space and all the work that's gone on and all the volunteers um, I just thank. And it's amazing the amount of effort and time uh, that people have put into to getting this uh, ready to host us for worship. So it's, it's been an amazing process. Uh, One thing I would like the family to know here is that we got word that Mary Swedberg passed away on Monday evening. She had just turned uh, 101 at the end of last year and uh, we celebrate that she is home with the Lord and we grieve that she is no longer with us. Uh, That's all the information that we have right now. Um, Obviously, um, there are uh, disruptions to uh, any plans that might be in place uh, but for right now, just so that you can keep their family in prayer, uh, pray, pray for Mary Swedberg's family and uh, also thank God for her life. Let's, let's uh, close here today in a time of prayer. Uh, and before I do that, uh, I do just want to read a passage from Scripture that spoke to me this week. It's from Isaiah chapter 12, uh, starting with verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Would you join me in a time of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the message, for the word that uh, was proclaimed here this morning. Father, we pray for those who are sick and struggling and in dire need of your healing. Father, we pray for those in our family that are recovering from sickness. We pray for just protection around those of us that we love. We know that we are in your hand. and we, um, as, this, as this disease rolls across our country, we just submit to you in, in uh, humility and trusting in your care that no matter what happens, you do care for us. You, have, you do not slumber. Your eyes are not closed. And we just trust in your mercy. Father, we do pray for the family of Mary Swedberg. Pray that you would um, lift them up and be near them at this time of grief. And we just celebrate and, um, and rejoice that she is in your presence now. Thank you for her life. Thank you for for all the the, uh, time that we had to get to know her. Father, thank you for her legacy. We pray for each one now in the family this week. Father, as we, um, each of us is, is separated and isolated, let us not be separated from you. And let us not forget that we are still the body of Christ. And I pray that you would allow us to just to see ways that we could minister one to another and minister to those around us. Bring your light into this dark situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to close with this. It's a reading from Isaiah 12, chapter uh, chapter 12, verses two through six. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord, Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. To God be the glory. Go in peace. Greetings, Highland
1: Community Church. While well, we continue to meet in the most unusual of circumstances because of this pandemic. Now, as we begin today, I have to tell you something about myself I have been teaching and preaching to live audiences now for approximately 40 years and I am very comfortable uh, in a small group or a large group as long as there are people present. But I have to tell you that there is nothing as intimidating as speaking into a camera with Larry hiding behind that. This is the most intimidating experiences. I have ever had. So I look forward to the day in which we're going to be able to be together, and uh, I will see your faces in the same way that you see my face. Well, these are unusual times, and as uncomfortable as it is for me to be speaking into a camera, I dare say that there's also some discomfort that you've been experiencing as well. Parents, you have now become teachers and uh, hall monitors for your children at home. Teenagers, you're no longer able to give an excuse for not completing your homework. I left it at home. And so it's, it's a different setting, is it not? Well, today uh, is uh, Palm Sunday, and uh, we realize that beginning with Palm Sunday, we come to the most unusual week in the history of the world. It's called the Holy Week, the week of passion. And it goes from the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, all the way through Resurrection Sunday. What we're going to do this week is that we're going to give to you, we're going to send you and put it in your email, a short little devotional, probably take about 10 minutes uh, each day for you to read and to learn about what happened each of those days Palm Sunday and Monday and Tuesday all the way through Sunday. And so it might be a guide for you as you prepare your own heart and mind and soul for this most significant week of the year, that of being the holy week in which we celebrate the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem, his crucifixion, and ultimately his resurrection. Well, with that, we're going to jump into a text today that's found in Luke chapter 19. It is the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus. Before we uh, jump into that, however, let me tell you a story. I was in Brazil uh, on a mission trip. My schedule for that Sunday in Sao Paulo was very, very tight. I preached in the morning, followed by a potluck dinner with the leadership after that. I did some leadership training that afternoon, and that evening I was scheduled to preach in a church that they had planted, this mother church had planted, in a favela, which was uh, the Portuguese term for a slum. And so... When I was at the potluck dinner that day, I realized that the service that evening in the favela was going to be an outreach service. And I realized that the message I had prepared didn't work very well. So in this few moments I had that afternoon, I changed the focus of my message. So on the program that evening in that service were rap musicians, uh, a dance troupe, and moi who was probably not the most hip of pastors or speakers for that kind of an event. So the church planter welcomed people to the service that evening. He introduced the guests, and then the service began. The lights overhead came down. The the strobe light began to flutter on the walls and the ceiling of the place. The rap musicians uh, began uh, their uh, routine The dance troupe was in the front row, and they began to move back and forth in in unison. And for the next five to ten minutes, there was just sensory overload in that building. As I'm observing and taking all of this in, I lean over to my wife, Trudy, and I tell her, I don't think I'm the main event tonight. Well, indeed, as the evening unfolded, every person who had the opportunity to speak into the mic that night, ended up preaching a little sermon. And of course, that's very typical of Latino culture. And so finally, it came to the uh, part that I was to have, and I, I got up to speak. But of course, by that time, everything that needed to be said had already been said by so many other people. And so I realized as we brought the evening to a close that night, that that evening was so not about me. Now, that event that I described in Sao Paulo is in great contrast to an event that happened in Jerusalem the week that Jesus was crucified. It's known to us as Palm Sunday, and the Gospels present uh, this material as the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city. All four Gospels describe this event, and each of the four Gospels have this same crystal clear message. Jesus, indeed, is the main event of Palm Sunday. Everything that took place that day was so about Him. So let me read Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28 through 44. And after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place, where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will, leave, they will not leave one stone on another, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now in this story, I see four details about his triumphal entry into the city that testify of both the nature as well as the work Of Jesus Christ. Those four details are first of all, the day, the donkey, uh, the, the chant, Hosanna, and finally, the tears of grief as he looked over the city. So we begin with, first of all, the significance of the day. The context of his arrival into Jerusalem on that day was the city's preparation for the Passover. Now, when Jerusalem was in preparation for the Passover, the Passover feast then merged right into uh, the feast of the unleavened bread. And so these two feasts together uh, became one of the three annual pilgrimage feasts, meaning that all the Jews in Israel would swarm into the city and even those from the Roman Empire, they would come from great distances to be in Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. It is virtually impossible to overstate the significance of this event. To bring it closer to home, just imagine the Delano, 4th of July fireworks on steroids. That gives you an idea of how significant this day was. The anticipation, the expectation, the excitement was building. The Passover was coming. And it was on this day, this Sunday that we know as Palm Sunday, we we learn from the book of Exodus that this was the day that the Lamb was selected that was going to be slaughtered for the Passover celebration. Exodus 12 verses 2 through 7 speak of the 10th day of the month as being the day that the lamb was selected. And then on the 14th day of that evening, that lamb was to be slaughtered and then eaten in the meal. So for centuries, the Hebrews had practiced this rhythm. The choice of of the lamb on the 10th day, the slaughter of that lamb on the 14th day. Now, what's very significant is that between those two days, when that lamb was selected, the, the, the Hebrews would actually bring that lamb into their home. They would treat that lamb as a pet. And then after four days of bonding with this lamb then that lamb was taken out and slaughtered and eaten just imagine what it must have been like to to play with this pet for four days realizing that on passover you would be eating the pet that you have been playing with so by his entry into jerusalem on this day the day of the selection of the Passover lamb. By his entry to Jerusalem on this day, Jesus identified himself as being the Passover lamb. Very intentional by Jesus to enter Jerusalem on this day. Paul, in his writings to the church at Corinth, says that Christ is our Passover lamb. And so very, very significant, the choosing of this day. I remember as a young boy growing up, one of the experiences that we had in preparation for Easter was to watch on television the great movie by Cecil B. DeMille entitled The Ten Commandments. It came out in in 1956, and I believe it's still on television these days. I remember as a family, we would sit down and we would watch that film. And I remember the, the, the evening of Passover. And when the, when the angel of death came through the land of Egypt, I remember the, the, the wispy uh, uh, wind or uh, the, the ethereal feel as, as the angel of death came through the streets. And mothers would be wailing as they realized that their firstborn had died. And yet, as that cloud came through those streets, when it saw the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, the angel of death passed over that house. I remember seeing... Uh, And experiencing that, it was quite moving as a young boy to understand something of the the death of children and the sparing of children. But I have to tell you, it wasn't until I became a follower of Jesus Christ that I really understood the significance of of that blood being shed so that the angel of death passed over those families. Truly, Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood was poured out on us. And as a result of his shed blood, the judgment of God upon a sinful person is passed over. We don't experience his judgment. Instead, we experience his grace and his mercy because the blood of Christ has covered us that's the significance of the day Jesus is the Passover lamb. The second important detail is the significance of the donkey. The context for this, the riding of the donkey, goes all the way back to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9. Zechariah is a post exilic prophet, so that he is writing during the restoration of the nation after the Babylonian captivity. And in his prophecy, he exhorts the nation to rebuild the temple, but also he exhorts them to spiritual renewal. And in multiple chapters in this book, there are key prophecies that relate to the Messiah, Now both Matthew and John, in their recording of the triumphal entry, they refer to his entry as the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. This is what Zechariah writes. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous. Righteous and having salvation or bringing salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Zechariah in this passage predicts the arrival of a heavenly king. And his arrival is a reason to celebrate. And then Zechariah goes on to describe some of the features of this king. First of all, he is righteous. Uh, Some translations say that he is just, similar idea. And he is righteous, this king, both in his character and in his rule. Now, what that means is this, that this king, who is going to be the very embodiment of, of character and integrity, he is righteous and he is just, that's who he is. And all the decisions that he's going to be making will be righteous and just decisions. His decisions will not be influenced by his political allies or his enemies. Just think for a moment what it would be like to have a chief executive in our nation or in some of the major corporations in our nation. Even small businesses, to to have chief executives who have such character and integrity that every decision they make is just and righteous. That's how Zechariah describes this king. He brings salvation, or he shows himself to be the Savior. It continues, he is gentle, he is lowly, he is humble, he is riding upon a donkey. Now, donkeys were were common in early Israel, and at one time they were considered to be respectable beasts. But with the reign of both David and Solomon, the horse became uh, understood and revered as the noblest of all the steeds. So horses grew in their stature and they came to represent a tone of royalty and conquest, victory. Donkeys represented a mission of peace. And so Jesus came riding upon a donkey. In the year 2013, the Roman Catholic Church selected a new pope. Came to be called Pope Francis his arrival in Rome in 2013 created quite a stir by the choices that he made. First of all, he chose to live in a simple papal apartment rather than in the palatial digs of the palace. Secondly, he rode in open air fiats rather than in the Mercedes Pope Mobile. Uh, he drove himself around the Vatican in a 20-year-old Renault with 190,000 miles on it. it, had a manual stick shift transmission. That car had been given to him by a fellow priest. People were stunned by the humble lifestyle that Pope Francis chose. I dare say that he was modeling his lifestyle after the example of Jesus when he came into Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. Now, Jesus, by riding a donkey, he is showing us his character as a humble king who offers both salvation and peace. The third significant detail of the triumphal entry is that of the chant Hosanna. Now, in order for us to really appreciate what's happening in this chant, we have a tendency to read the Palm Sunday story, the narrative, from a spiritual perspective. But in all actuality, this was a politically charged atmosphere that day. You see, the Romans had uh, invaded Jerusalem in 63 BC the triumphal entry occurred in 30 AD so the romans now uh, ha- have occupied jerusalem for 93 years their presence was everywhere and that constant present was an irritation daily to the hebrews the the hebrews were heavily taxed by Uh, The Romans, they were forced to pay homage to Caesar. Uh, Roman rule was often cruel and inhumane. Think crucifixion. Now, it is true that, that the Romans granted the Sanhedrin autonomy in regards to the practice of the faith. And the Romans also gave the Sanhedrin some legislative freedom. But there was one thing that the Romans would not tolerate, and that was civil unrest. This was the era known as the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, and they would squelch any civil unrest. The Hebrews were so offended by the presence of the Romans that a group of people formed. They called themselves the the Zealots, And their sole mission was to overthrow the Roman occupation of Jerusalem. So on that day, the crowd took palm branches and they cried out, Hosanna. Now this chant, Hosanna, comes from the 118th Psalm. And that is a psalm that speaks of the triumphant king who is leading a procession into worship in Jerusalem. Combined with that, the Hosanna simply means save us. So when they were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, they were crying out to this king riding on a donkey, please save us. So when you combine all the symbolism of the donkey, the palm branches, Psalm 118, this Palm Sunday crowd was crying out, for King Jesus to deliver or to liberate them from their oppressor. And the Jews in those days perceived that their primary oppressor was Caesar and Rome. Now, Jesus, on that day, by receiving their worship, Jesus acknowledges that he indeed is our liberator. Now for the Jews in those days, they thought that their oppressor was Rome. How superficial that assumption was. Because the reality is for them and for us today that we are oppressed by something that is much more sinister than caesar we are oppressed by our own selfishness our own depravity we are oppressed by satan and his spiritual demons that are set out to have set out to destroy us indeed our oppressors are much greater than the Romans. But in this moment, as Jesus receives worship, he acknowledges that he indeed is our liberator. And that's why it is so incredibly significant that when the Pharisees came to Jesus on that day and they said, Jesus, tell your disciples to, to, to tone it down. Uh, tell them to be quiet. It's just too loud. That we can't have them saying those sorts of things. And, and Jesus said, hey, I tell you what, guys. If these people were to be quiet, quiet, the very stones would cry out. I love that. Because here's what Jesus was saying. On that day, he came into Jerusalem and he said, I am your liberator. And those stones understood The significance of Jesus being the liberator of all the bondage and all the oppression and all the sinfulness that has occurred in this world since Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden. Jesus is the one who liberates the world from the oppression of sin and Satan. That's the significance of this Hosanna chant. Jesus indeed is our liberator. The fourth significant detail is the tears that he shed as he looked over this beautiful city called Jerusalem. Now, we're told that he climbed to the Mount of Olives. Chances are he came uh, from the south of Jerusalem, and as as he came towards Jerusalem, he would have had to climb up to the Mount of Olives, and as he came over the crest of the Mount of Olives, he would see before him the entire city of Jerusalem. And from that vantage point, he could look right into the temple. It was about 325 feet higher than the temple. So he could look down. He could see all the activity that is going on inside the temple. If you've ever been to Israel... And you've been to the top of the Mount of Olives. You've seen Jerusalem and all the the surrounding hills. You look at this magnificent city. And I want you to know that it's a breathtaking view. That day, as Jesus crested the Mount of Olives, he looked at the city and he wept. He cried. He wept because he knew of its rejection of him, He wept over the rejection of his teachings. And he wept when he thought about their future. He saw their future. He saw that in 40 years, in A.D. 70, the Romans would completely destroy the temple and ransack the city of Jerusalem. He saw all of that. Now, in his prediction here, On the Mount of Olives, Jesus is reminding us of what awaits any person who ignores or rejects Him and His teaching. And in His tears, in His grief over the city, Jesus is showing His heart for those who would reject Him. Be clear. Jesus finds no pleasure whatsoever in declaring the eternal fate of those who ignore or reject his claims. It will never be said of Jesus that he is uncaring. He's not concerned about those who reject him. It is true that Jesus said some very harsh things to the religious leaders of the day. He said those things in a desire for them to humble themselves and to realize their need. So Jesus spoke very truthfully to them, and here we see his love, his compassion, his heart was broken for those who were indifferent and calloused towards him. Jesus weeps over people who have ignored him. Is it possible that Jesus weeps over you today because you have have played loose? You have been calloused towards his work, his truth, his desire for your life. Now, without any question the pandemic that we are experiencing today, it has truly gripped our world. It is a graphic reminder to us how fragile life is. It's made me realize that our entire world is flying much closer to chaos than perhaps we have wanted to admit. I know this, every one of us has made significant adjustments in our lifestyle because of the threat of the coronavirus. The Bible says that, that one day, a day is coming, that something is going to be happening in this world that is far worse than what is happening today. Before his return, there's going to be great catastrophe that is going to overwhelm the world. So, if we realize that this pandemic has caused us to make adjustments in our lifestyle today, should we not also be serious about realizing the threat that is going to come at the end of this world? And should we not also make adjustments right now to be ready for his return, whether it is soon or whether it is distance. And so I would appeal to you today to let Jesus make a Palm Sunday entrance into your heart and life. This day, would you let him become your Passover lamb? as you understand the significance of his shed blood to cover your sin, your depravity, your life. He can make you clean today because he can be your Passover lamb. Let Jesus be your humble king. He is triumphant. He is victorious. And I want you to know that today... He is victorious over death and disease and illness and sin and addiction. He is victorious over all of that. Let him be your humble king. Let him be your liberator. The one who can replace the anxiety that we feel during this time. He can liberate us from all of that worry and concern. And he can give us peace in the midst of great uncertainty. Would you let him be your liberator? You see, when you let Jesus make a Palm Sunday entrance into your life, and you respond to that, what that gives to me is the assurance that Jesus will never have to weep because you have rejected his call upon your life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that in this uncertain times that we have a Savior on whom and in whom we can trust. Lord, we are realizing how fragile life is. And that, Lord, there is so much chaos and uncertainty and there's, there's so much fear that people are living with today. Lord, we don't know when your return will be, whether in the near future or far off. But God, it is my desire that there would be no one who would be unprepared to face you. And so, God, I pray that there's anyone who has heard the tuggings of the Spirit of God, of Jesus saying, let me in. Let me into your life. Make room for me, God. I pray that today, in this moment, that you would cause them to open up the door and to receive this one who comes as the Passover lamb, the humble king, and the one who liberates us. And Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you've done on our behalf. Thank you that you have said that there is nothing in this life that could ever separate us from your great love. And so it is in your wonderful and glorious name that we pray, amen. In the morning when I rise In the morning